Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a humble agent of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. Uh, here to train me to be ready for level seven is my good friend and 40K mentor. He's the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Nick Fury to my Phil Coulson, Mr. Steven Box. Steve, how's it going? Right. I, I half got your... I half got it today. Okay. I know, I know S.H.I.E.L.D. Better than usual. I know S.H.I.E.L.D. and I know Nick Fury. Okay. Is, is this sort That's of good. level seven... Is this like level seven stuff like off the, off the S.H.I.E.L.D. show? Is it? Yes. Because I don't think it's in the movies, right? No, not really. No. When the, when the TV show first started, they made this comment about welcome to level seven. And that was, Phil Coulson was already at level seven, but he got, you know, because he got promoted after the whole Avengers thing. So. All yeah. right. Cool. Coulson was the guy, was the, the, the Asian shield that was, he was kind of bumbling his way through the other Marvel movies, meeting all the other characters before the event, the first Avengers movie. And then, you know, Loki ganked him. Right. Been a while since I've watched these, but okay, I'm with you. I think I know. I think I know. Anyway, Dave, right. good intro. Like it. Thank you. What are we talking about today? Well, first we're going to acknowledge our sponsors. Uh, uh, Siege Studios. Yes. So I actually just spent the entire weekend with James, um, who helped me paint my Dante. And we literally had six hours of one-to-one tuition. Um, kind of, well, basically me and James just hanging out painting. Uh, but James was awesome in helping me through each of the stages from the gold to the wings so james uh personal thank you from me mate uh you did an awesome job with me and i'm as i said mediocrely moderately happy with him um so yeah and we also went over the technique of puddle pushing so dave when you next speak to james about um a question for james you can say james explain puddle pushing for me all right he'll hate it and that'll be great. So yeah, puddle pushing is the my new <laughs> official term for um, painting power swords anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, so massive thank you to Siege. Yeah, uh, and, and I can say from having seen the, the pictures you shared with me of your Dante, it is more than mediocre. You did a phenomenal friggin' job. When you first showed it to me, I thought that was the one that James had painted. And then when I talked to him, I just talked to him this afternoon and he showed me his and his isn't done yet. So yours looks phenomenal, dude. Give yourself some credit. Thanks, mate. James is just slow. So slow. You know, he just, oh, yeah, he, that guy, terribly. you know. Oh, it's just so slow. No, I mean, I, like one day I, so I spent six hours on mine. James had spent six hours just on the, um, the writing and the blood angel drop and the Imperium symbol that is on the, uh, what's it called? Purity seal. Oh, for God's sake. I don't have that kind of patience. This is this is why when James tutors me, it's all about airbrushing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, but yours looks fantastic. All right, and then obviously we have other sponsors we need to acknowledge. Um, the Outpost at yes. the-outpost.co.uk. I am looking forward to going to their shop when I can finally get out to your side of the Atlantic. Yeah, they've got a great little gaming shop and also, um, yeah, like new kind of scene in area now for uh, tournaments, which is awesome. But if you do want your discounted miniatures, then do check out the Outpost because not only are they discounted, but more importantly, they've got a live stock check so you can see exactly what's in stock and what's not. And if you get any issues, just call up and their friendly, helpful staff will be able to help you out. So massive thanks to their continued support for us. Awesome. And last, we cannot forget, uh, certainly not least, we cannot forget to acknowledge Colorforge. Yes. I don't know if you've seen, but you know the bases I did? But the um, yeah, the world eaters yeah did all those with colour forge sprays. Uh, most of the bone reaper army I've also done with colour forge sprays. I did a lot with uh, Dante with colour forge sprays as well. Um, and I'm just going to think about a new army uh, where I'm pretty much going to try and do the entire thing with colour forge sprays. So um, yeah, if you are looking for some primers and also some layer coats and colours, then do check out colour forge. Like the sprays are awesome. So uh, yeah. Just help you get your miniatures battle ready so much faster. Very cool. Yeah, I got to see if, uh, what the shipping's like to get it, their stuff sent out to the US. I haven't checked yet. I need to. Uh, all right. VT announcements. The Competitive 40K Podcast community Facebook page. Password for this month is still Lion. I am letting people in left, right, and center. 
Apparently, either spam accounts stopped or people started remembering to answer all the questions. I've been letting in a ton of people in the last two weeks. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining. Um, if you're on the community Facebook page, if you haven't yet joined up, what are you waiting for? This better be your first time listening to us because otherwise you should have already been in the, the community Facebook page. That's where you do your rules lawyer questions. That's where you do your questions for James, for Battle Ready, to get in on the conversation. Make sure no password, no answering questions, no entrance. So make sure you fill all that out. Um, obviously, the Academy is just on hold. We are waiting for 10th edition to drop. Um, but in the meantime, Steve, you put up a new quiz today online. Well, we've got a new website. Um, not, well, same website, URL address, but it looks awesome. So go and check out our brand new website, www.vanguardtactics.com. Um, but the most important thing is we've been very, very busy behind the scenes and we've created an IQ strategy test to test your knowledge uh, and test your strategy um, of the game of Warhammer 40k. And what this really does is it helps diagnose basically where you're at in your, your gameplay. So it kind of goes over your strengths, your weaknesses, and it measures you over like six different categories. Um, and what it will eventually do is give you some really good feedback on how you can improve. So if you're really honest with yourself, it's a fantastic quiz to kind of see where you're at, give you some clarity on, you know, as a commander, where you're at in the game at the moment. Um, and then also give you some really good, you know, techniques and use that as a barometer as you improve in the game. Um, and I think what would be really interesting is getting, you know, getting people to do it now and then eventually, you know, maybe in a few months time, doing it again, see if those numbers have improved. Um, so yeah, that is called the URL address you need to take the quiz is, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm seatbelted in. Okay. Hit me. It's quiz.vanguardtactics.com. What is it, Dave? Absolute brain teaser. Quiz.vanguardtactics.com. If you, if you could not guess it, there it is. Make it very clear. Quiz.vanguardtactics.com. Uh, and you will you will know you've landed on the right spot because it will say, uh, take the quiz. Test your 40, exactly. 40K strategy IQ with our quiz. It's right now, there. Now, it gets, it gets even better, Dave. What's better? What could be possibly be better than, than sitting down and taking a 30-question quiz? All about 40K. It only takes three minutes. But when you get your results, screenshot it, share it on Instagram. And, you know, write what you liked about the quiz or something. Tag me in. Use the hashtag, hashtag VT test, and also put the URL so other people can do the quiz. And if you do those three things, so share it, tag me, put the hashtag in. Uh, yeah, there are three things. Sure. Do fourth. Do a fourth thing. Then in a month's time, on the 16th of May... I will pick one person at random that used that hashtag and did those three things that they were meant to do. And I will put them in a prize draw to basically win a hundred pound voucher for either the outpost, if you're in the UK, or a hundred pound equivalent dollars for frontline gaming, if you're in the States. Okay. So yeah, take the test, screenshot your result, tag me in, use the hashtag VT test. And then yeah, you might win yourself a good chunk of getting an army started. Yeah. What, what happens if, if uh, they take the quiz and they win the, they win the, the, the prize draw and they're in Australia. Mm. Cause we got us, dude, I was looking at our stats the other day. We've got listeners. We've got a few, we got a handful in Australia. We've got a bunch in Germany. Okay. We got to think global here, man. All right then. So if you're not in the UK and you're not in the States and you're somewhere else, I will buy you a Games Workshop voucher for £100, whatever that is, in terms of uh, Australian dollars. That, does that work? Yeah, I think that's fair. So you can buy it on, you can use that voucher on the Games Workshop site for whatever region you're in then. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll make it happen. I'll make some calls, you know, and I'll, I'll do it. That's what I'll do, Dave. And if you're in Canada, you can still do the frontline gaming thing because we all know that Canada is basically just you know, the 51st state. So um, we're good there. All right. Now that I've upset half of our uh, listeners uh, up in Canada, let's move on. All right. Uh, upcoming events. Steve, you have not one, but two upcoming workshops this year. Yes. Yeah, so the first one is going to be in July. Uh, and this is actually over, I think, the 
twenty something of July, twenty second. Yeah, so it's the twenty fourth or twenty fifth, I, th- I believe, of July. Something like that. Twenty fifth, Dave is my birthday, so you can put that in your calendar now. Um, and as yeah, oh, can everybody else. Awesome. Right. So there we go. Uh, get there. Workshop with me and Dave and hopefully some of the other VT team. Um, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. Uh, who knows um, what will be you know happening at, at that time? So uh, obviously everything's unknown at the moment, but um, yeah, I mean it's going to be awesome. So there's that one, and then we've got the LGT workshop, which is in September. So that one will more than definitely, I'm sure, you know, if Games Workshop stick to their summer, you know, September's in the autumn, and especially because it kind of falls around like first of October time. Fingers crossed that should be a 10th edition workshop in September. Yes. I'm hoping that the one in, I'm hoping that the one in July will, uh, because Sean and I will both be at Lone Star. So if you guys want to meet my wife and find out what psychotic human being could possibly put up with me on a daily basis, um, uh, you can come meet my wife and you can come to the workshop and hopefully 10th edition will have dropped by then. And, you know, theoretically it could be one of the first big events. Well, well, for 10th edition, like you said, if if they stick to their um, very broadly stated summer release for 10th. So hopefully this will be a 10th edition uh, event, I'm I'm hoping, but we'll see either way. Yeah. And then LGTs, what, this last weekend of September? Yeah, for, yeah, last of September, first weekend of October. So fingers crossed that also, uh, yeah, it'll be all good. Now, there is one more event I've got to talk about, and it's not quite, uh, well, I've actually got two more events. The next one is Warhammer Fest in the UK. If you're going there, um, we're allowed to do a VT meetup. Okay. And that's going to happen basically. The VT meetup is going to happen um, at 12 15 um, in the meetup area. And yeah, on the Sunday. Okay. So, whole crew, you know, if you listen to the show or if you're going to Warhammer Fest in Manchester at Warhammer Fest, 12 15 um, on the Sunday. It's going to be the VT meetup. Um, so yeah, that should be awesome. And then also the last event that I'm super excited to talk about. Dave, I've got some big news. I've just been announced, uh, or sorry, I should say, I've just been confirmed to speak at Comic-Con in London, which I am so excited about. Uh, and that's at the end of May. So um, I cannot wait to talk about, um, well, I'm still in sort of thinking about like the title of my talk. Um, but it's, a, it's essentially going to be around my journey into the hobby, uh, but most importantly, um, kind of acceptance, acceptance of yourself, um, being empowered by playing games and all the great things that can come from it rather than just like Warhammer specific. It's going to be much more about, I suppose, really being true of yourself and being cool with that. So I'm really excited to talk about my journey, how I used to you know, get bullied when I was younger. I think I'm going to talk about that. I think I'm going to open up about my journey in terms of how I used to be, I suppose, worried that I would get bullied as well when people found out I played this game. Um, and now, obviously, I'm just an absolute raving nerd. Um, and I talk about it all the time. So I can't wait. Hopefully, it will help some people. Yeah. I'm just hoping that you don't, even though you're going to be at Comic-Con, I'm just hoping you don't try to talk about comics since, you know, that doesn't typically go well for us. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I know Nick Fury and people. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. You're, you're yeah. all lined up to go. Uh, who was Union Jack again, Steve? Union Jack. Uh, that's actually the, uh, flag, um, of the United Kingdom is the unite, you know, is Union Jack. Yeah. Yeah. It's blue. It's uh, it's also, it's also superhero. It's also superhero named Union Jack and his uniform is the Union Jack. Well, that's good. See blue, red and white. I mean, I got it bang on. So you were close. Yeah. You're, you're totally ready for talking to Comic-Con. You got it, man. No problem. Go on the, go on the, go on the Facebook community uh, page. And please, I'm going to run a poll. If you think that I need to be there to help Steve survive being at Comic-Con with his lack of pop culture knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> the look I'm getting right now. <laughs> Don't know what talking about, Dave. Anyway, we've got a review, Dave. We do have a review. Okay. This is a long one. So uh, everybody, buckle up. Okay. It's just getting back in. Five-star review. Um, and this is from Scott 666 Well. 666 isn't that the um the devil's number yeah the number of the beast right okay cool so uh well thank you very much for your review uh but it says i've just started playing again a few months ago after a 25 year plus break 
I bought some models and tried to get back into 19 in 1998 or so, but being young, started a family very early in life. Financially, it was impossible. I've kept up to the law and the advent of YouTube over the years, but never had any reason to make the commitment again. All of a sudden, a very good friend of mine said, hey, I'm getting into 40k. Uh, I resisted for a while. I have a few other hobbies. I take time and resources, hunting, fishing, Xbox. But I have to say, I'm having the time of life. Even though I haven't won a game yet with my orcs, I can't get enough. I found this podcast and I think it'll make me a better player in the long run if I pay attention and put the things I learn into practice. I learn something every time I listen. Great job, guys. I can't wait for the next episode. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jay Scott 666 um, Yeah, welcome. And thank you so much for your review. Keep rocking it. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and eventually you will get there. Just, you know, if you haven't joined the Academy, join the Academy. It will definitely help. Um, and no, I don't get paid to say that. Um, it's just my experience. So, uh, and you'll, you'll get there. Just stay, and don't, Faction hop. Stick to your orcs until you know your orcs. Agreed. Okay. All right. Now, today, big, well, wait, did we have anything else you need to talk about? We, we, there was so much we talked about in pre-show. Oh, yeah. The courses. Let me just quickly talk about that because you, you mentioned about the academy. That's what it was. Yeah. That's it. So we've got two courses that you can literally buy now. And if you buy it now, essentially help us kickstart the program um, you'll get it much, much cheaper if you buy now. And basically they are the accelerator and that will seamlessly transition you from ninth to 10th. So if you're already kind of like a, a veteran ninth edition player, the accelerator will just help you get going with 10th edition straight away. Um, so that's the accelerator program. And then the start playing, uh, is essentially for beginners. Okay. So if you're completely new to the hobby or just getting back into it, start with the beginner course. And then both of those, you have the option and be given a very good discount code if you want to join the academy. Okay, so they will feed into the academy course, which will happen slightly after. So essentially, when 10th edition drops, uh, we will, and you have the rules in your hand, we will be able to start the course. Okay, either the start playing and the accelerator, they'll happen at the same time simultaneously. We're also going to do for people that sign up before uh, the actual date um, when, when of preview of the preview date, whenever that is going to be. We're going to also create a Facebook group. Um, and myself and the team are going to go live every day, answer your questions, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so to really help you through either getting started or transitioning. Um, and then two weeks after that, we're going to then start the Academy. Okay. So there's a waiting list for the Academy already. I think we've got over a hundred names down on the Academy. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a very, very busy one, I think. Um, Cause we haven't obviously launched since December. I get like emails and messages daily about it. I still do one-to-one calls. People asking me about when the next one's going to be. So whenever 10th edition drops, it's going to be two weeks after that. Okay, there we go. Right, let's talk about some Warhammer, Dave. Yes, let's talk about some 40K. That's enough of ads and stuff. Uh, enough of the business stuff. Uh, oh, before I forget, uh, if you have not already, please like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, you can find Steven on Instagram at, at the Vanguard Tactics. Uh, and I'm on there at, at InfantryLawyer 40 k Don't be afraid to reach out and say hi. Uh, and uh, don't forget, you can also, uh, besides going to VanguardTactics.com for all of the information that Steve just talked about, about the, the new and improved 10th edition Academy, uh, don't forget to go to YouTube and check out all the VT stream games and other content there. There's a lot of, I've been having fun watching the new um, uh, Age of Sigmar stuff you guys have been dropping too. That's been good. It's been good fun watching in the morning. Have you watched our debate series that we've now got? I watched the first one that you uh, and Jake did. Yeah, that was pretty funny. There was a lot of there was a lot of zooming in on Jake's face. Yeah, he is handsome. Um, but yes. there's a new one which released today, which is me versus Michael in a very hot topic uh, and debate. Uh, and what we typically do with this debate series is I don't know if you've ever watched Lad Bible, but we've essentially stolen their cool idea. Um, we thought that's a really cool concept. Me and Jake love watching it, so we thought we'd do our own. Um, so Lab Bible, thank you very much for the idea. You're awesome. Um, and basically, me versus Michael on a strongly agree to strongly disagree debate, um, we were going to call the series The Master Debate, but we didn't go hmm. with it. We just yeah. went with the Warhammer debate. We kind of chickened out. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's a great debate. Let us know what you think of that type of content. Uh, we normally do a serious one and then we do like a fun one at the end. So anyway, there we go. Let's know what you think of that yeah, content. I enjoyed the first one. It was cool. So 
Uh, all right. Uh, oh, I had a rule. We had a rules letter question. We have a couple left over from ninth edition, and this one I think is appropriate. I don't know what the rules. Obviously, if Heroic Convention is even going to be in tenth, but for the last few months, this one I saw um, kind of irked me, and so I feel like it's something um, that sh- Give should it be asked me. and can do a quick, quick, quick question. Uh, this is from Wim Out on the community Facebook page. He said, "Do you have to end a heroic intervention in engagement range of an enemy model?" A world leader player used a heroic against me to get from 2.8 inches to 1.1 inches from me to get an easier charge into another one of my units on his next turn. Could not find anything that disallowed him to do this, but it felt very wrong to me. Is this allowed? What would you say, Dave? Yeah, well, um, the if I remember correctly, I don't have the core rules in front of me right now, but I do seem to recall that you can only heroically intervene assu- without assuming you don't have the six-inch heroic, because that's a little different. but but basically, our convention is you have to be able to be within three inches of the model that you're heroically intervening towards, and you can move up to three inches. You must end in her, in engagement range. So, and also, just as a side note, don't ever look in the core rulebooks for say to find something or an FAQ that says something is disallowed. It's either allowed, or if it's not written there, it's not. So go off the rules that are written, not what isn't what it says you can't do. So. But I would say that, yes, you must heroically intervene. You must end in engagement range. You can't use that as a hop, skip, and a jump to help yourself in a future turn. Well, Rules judge, what say you? I might actually have to disagree with you here. Really? Yes. Now, I would say your intent is spot on. Okay? So the intent is that you can only heroic intervene if you're a character uh, three inches, providing that your the model or an enemy model is within three, okay, uh, within three at the end of the charge phase. So they don't have to have charged anything like that. If there's an enemy model within three, you can move closer to the closest enemy model. Okay, so basically, are you within three? That will trigger a heroic intervention, and then you basically need to end that three inch move and that's how far you can move up to towards the closest enemy model okay but it doesn't mean you actually have to end in engagement range of it though i'm pretty sure i almost want to like pause this recording and run upstairs and grab my core rule book because i could have sworn it said you have to end in engagement range i don't think you do huh all right i'll look it up after we record so i'm pretty sure they just have to move closer to the closest enemy model. Okay, so if you've got a stratagem which is six inch, like the world eaters do, then are you within six? Yes. You can spend a CP, whatever it is, Hurricane Devine, boom, uh, and you just have to move closer to the closest enemy model. But obviously now, because you've Hurricane Devined, you are now eligible to be hit by your opponent because normally you can only declare an attack that is. Um, you know, what one in which you've charged. So, hey, I want to charge this unit, my unit into your unit. Uh, and normally you can only charge, you know, hit that unit that you've declared as a charge. If something else heroically intervenes, it's fair game. You can have a punch on them. Um, so, yeah, I don't actually think you need to end in engagement range. Hmm. Okay. I mean, you know the rules better than I do, so I will trust in you, Your Honor. I hope I've got that right. <laughs> if not, we'll have to edit something else back in. Uh, <laughs> but for now, we will move on to the balanced data slate. Yes. This is what is likely to be the last balanced data slate of ninth edition. GW going out with a bang, not wanting to, to, to you know, let things sit, not, not content to just let ninth ride out into the sunset by itself. Uh, we had some fairly significant changes here. Yeah. So uh, you want to start with um, the. Let's see. The indirect fire rule is the same. Aircraft is the same. Arcs of Omen's secondary objectives had a couple changes. One of them in particular, I'm a fan of. And that was the change of a poor of the witch from Warcraft to purge the enemy. Yeah. So do you want to know why they did that? I mean, I can, I have some theories, but let's, cool. you know, we've already been talking a long time. What's your theory? Um, because, um, there are a lot of people that 
you don't want to be stacking up a poor of the witch with some of the other kill secondaries, which would just in- encourage you to just table your opponent. Yeah. It basically forces you um, to have to pick another option that when you're playing something against like Grey Knights or Thousand Sons, rather than either taking, but obviously both Grey Knights and Thousand Sons typically give up a lot of points on no prisoners as well or assassinate. So what people were doing, um, and you know, there's nothing stopping you taking no prisoners, assassinate and abhor the witch. And you could literally just try and table your opponent so, for example, no prisoners uh, is obviously basically how many wounds you can kill. And then obviously every time you kill a unit, that would get you two points on a board the witch. And then every character you killed would give you three points for assassination and then uh, like another three points for a board the witch. So you were basically double stacking those points. So if you killed a, a, yeah. you know, a Psyker character, you get, you're going to get like six, maybe seven points, uh, especially if they're the warlord. So now what that means is because they fit into the same category as assassinate, it's one or the other. Uh, so this will just help out Grey Knight players and Thousand Sons a little bit uh, in terms of not giving up so many points. Uh, so yeah, that's why. Yeah. Um, and then the the next one was the big change that everybody sort of knew needed to happen anyway, which was um, just adjusting the scoring on Codex Warfare um, that you can score a max of 5 VP for each Doctrine. Yeah. I'm really happy about this change. It it brings the cap back in. Obviously, um, before um, the balanced data slate, when Marines could stay in any doctrine, this the arcs of omen secondary would have been fine because you'd have only been able to stay in dev doc for one turn. Uh, but obviously, because the balanced data slate uh, came out very recently, um, then yeah, it just means that because you could just stay in dev doc, you can stay there, kill seven units, and essentially score fourteen points turn one, turn two, in being in dev docs. And now it's capped at five. It forces, you know, Space Marine players to take either an amalgamation of weapons, heavy, rapid fire assault, and then also pistol and uh, melee weapons, and also have to go through the phases and the doctrines if they want to score well on that secondary. Whether people do or not, or whether people, and, and this is kind of, I don't know, I, I anyway, we'll, we'll talk about how it shapes the meta up, uh, you know, in, in due time. So let's yeah, just go over the changes bit. first yeah. and then I can do like an analysis after. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I, I completely agree with you that this was a good change because staying in dev doctrine all game and just was, that was why iron hands was so broken. Everybody was complaining about suddenly the iron hands was coming in and it's, it's a flashback to eighth edition and all a lot of, um, a lot of that complaining. Well, okay, it's fixed now because you're, you're not going to come in and like you said, score 14, 15 points just by killing seven, eight units and staying in dev yeah. doctrine all game. It's not going to happen. I mean, you, you have to play and it, and it works for fluff too. Like you're supposed to cycle through, you're supposed to work through the different doctrines to complete to, for the space Marines. That's how the space is supposed to function. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it solves iron hands. Uh, it just certainly means no, I have to pick another completely. secondary. Yeah. You just yeah. have to pick another secondary. Yeah. Uh, and then they also tweaked, um, call order, which is the death watch, um, specific secondary that you pick three. Uh, if you don't know Death Watch, this is the one where you get to pick three um, battlefield roles. You know, between HQ and troops and elites and all that kind of stuff. And you pick three of those at the start of the game. Um, and for each battlefield role, if you destroyed all of the your opponent's units in that battlefield role, you got five VP. So now they've yeah. adjusted it a little bit that if you score, um, you will score three VP if one or more units in your opponent's army. I've been destroyed at the end of the game. And if you do wipe everything they've got, it's five VP. So like I, when I was playing death watch a year ago, it invariably, I would, there would always be like one category where somebody had only like one unit. And so I like yeah. dead, they'd have like one rhino, one dedicated transport. All right, there's five VP. And then every other category was you, you either got five or nothing. It was a very feast or famine secondary. So now they've yeah. just moderated it a little bit. So I, yeah. I, for, for those few five people that are still playing death watch, um, I think it's a good change. Yeah. Um, and then I this agree. one you're going to have to help me with. The delete the first and the last bullet points from the brood swarm secondary objective. I don't know that one. Is that Gene Steel Cult or Tyranids? Okay. So I believe this one is a um, Gene Steel Cult secondary. And um, yeah, so I believe the first um, bullet point essentially said um, if you have more models on the table than your opponent, you score a point. So what it does, it just kind of neuters 
the uh, GSC kind of scoring just that little bit because they were just scoring that far too easily. Um, and they also can do other secondaries like retrieve battlefield data extremely easily as well. So just kind of, and obviously behind enemy lines, which kind of by the time you've kind of stacked some of those together, um, and I'm not sure whether the brood swarm one and behind enemy lines are in the same category or not off the top of my head, but they do have very efficient secondaries. So it just kind of brings that in line with hopefully some of those other factions as well, just to have a slightly better balancing of score. Yeah. So. Next up, we've also got the bodyguard abilities. Bodyguard abilities haven't changed. Um, then we've got space marines. There is no changes to space marines. But then we get to dark angels. And this is probably a huge change, which I am so, so happy to see. It says delete the fourth bullet point from the inner circle ability. And if you didn't know, the inner circle ability essentially says for that fourth bullet point, if you're an infantry model, um, then you get the transhuman rule which is you cannot be wounded on a one two or three so now blade guard um terminators most importantly and also the infantry characters now the line is not an infantry character the line is a monster so you wouldn't have got it anyway so there's no more transhuman on those 33 point terminators which i am so happy to see because why would you pay it's it's daft that we've got a point system for terminators when a certain type of terminator gets transhuman and if you were to pay per pointed for that i would say that needs to be at least 10 points per model at least 10 points per model that's how strong that rule is yeah that was that was kind of ridiculous when they had them built in when i remember when the dark angel codex first came out i'm surprised they didn't change that sooner because terminators were you know they they brought terminators back something serious and it was you know the the 20 man brick in the middle of the table was just unkillable between that and the the banner bearer uh, decreasing damage and all that kind of stuff. Like they, th- that was th- probably one of the hardest units in the game to shift. So, um, yeah, it's a good change. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so then the next change is in Drakari. Um, some of this stuff has actually been removed. Okay. So, uh, you'll basically see that the core keyword has come back to things like the Talos and the Kronos, which is cool. So again, some of those changes, um, it just help out Drakari that little bit. So some of those nerfs that were on Drakari now slowly being lifted. Uh, I'm really pleased that the Dark Technomancy one is staying as it is. Um, and also the Change the Artisans of Flesh as well. So that's staying too, which is good. Um, which is basically they get minus one damage, providing that um, unless the attack strength is eight or more. Okay, so um, yeah, so and that that nerf still stayed on them or nerf adjustment whatever you want to call it but i think it's great harlequins have stayed the same death watch these have had the change so what this now allows you to do is change the mission tactic to do not use the core rules of the codex to determine which combat doctrine is active for your army each battle round instead at the start of each battle round select the devastated tactical or assault doctrine uh the combat doctrine you select is active uh so basically you can just select what doctrine you want for that turn, which is pretty cool. So if you want to go in a assault doctrine turn one, absolutely go for it. If you want to be a dev doc, cool, do that too. So it just gives Death Watch a little bit more flexibility now, and especially combined with that uh, coal order secondary, hopefully give those a little bit of a propping up. Um, Chaos Demons, no changes. So Flame is still no longer Flame, which is great. They still actually have to roll to hit now. No changes there. Um, Azerani, I believe, are still the same uh, as they were from the previous one. I don't think anything has changed on that. Chaos Space Marines um, remain the same. Adeptus Mechanicus remain the same. There's been a change on Tyranids, and this, I think, is a nice little change here as well. Um, I believe now you don't have to. You can, I think now how this reads, I think the one that was there before, how this reads by me basically saying what's not there anymore is you can now start to change your kind of hyper adaptation. So you basically get two bullet points of rules with the NIDs for your army rule. You can now start choosing again. And also um, in order to keep your like synaptic imperative abilities, you no longer need your warlord on the table. So I think those two have both been removed. I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've looked at Tyranids. 
Uh, but I believe that is the, the changes that have been made there. So some of those kind of nerfs slightly lifted for the Tyranids, which is cool. But the most important ones are kept, which is great. So Death Guard, no changes. Tau, um, Core looks like it's come back to broadsides, which is nice. Yeah. Um, give those a little bit of a helping hand, which is cool. You see some diversity on the tabletop. Necrons, no changes. Astra Militarum, some pretty big changes here. You can only do six mortal wounds now with the um, overcharged Lazcell stratagem. So no more doing like 20 mortal wounds. It's just six per the stratagem. So if you do want to split fire and do like three mortal wounds to one unit and three to another, cool. That's all you can do is a total of six because of the stratagem. No more. And then also the relic, uh, the Finel. Uh, while a friendly Astro Militarum core unit is within six each time a model in this unit makes a ranged attack, if that, attack, if that attack is allocated to an enemy model, that model cannot use any rules to ignore the wounds it loses. So it now basically gets around like feel no pains in wound caps. What it doesn't do is get around minuses to hit, which is good to see. So um, yeah, that's cool. Orcs, um, yeah, no changes. Sisters, no changes. Custodes. Subtle change here, um, I believe now, change the custody keyword in all instances uh, through, I think it's the transhuman equivalent stratagem and also the turn off reroll stratagem. They cannot be used in conjunction with one another. So it's one or the other, not both on the same unit. Okay. Okay. Uh, have I covered everything? Yeah, that's it. Nice. I think that's a great change on the custodies because I think now... If they weren't, then we've seen these kind of 10 man or 10 warriors or 10, not warriors, but 10 guardians or 10 warden units, like kind of two big units of 10. And what people are doing is they put that unit forward and go, cool, well, here's like four CPs, uh, which custodes easily have because of Trajan and also the fact that they just don't need to spend that many on much else. They go, cool, you're going to bounce off my 10 man unit. They move forward and like tag, wrap and crush everything. And then cool, turn, you know, three, I put the next unit forward, do the exact same rinse repeat, and people just bounce off that. So it's a much more interactive game now because you can either have transhuman or turn off rerolls, but not both. So again, uh, I think there's some really nice changes there. Yeah. And obviously it's good for for uh, Imperial Guard because a lot of people were getting, I feel a little lazy with just relying on those Castrican bombs to come in with the overcharged Lazcell strat and just mortal wound everything to death. So that being mm-hmm. gone is good. Um, and I played into that finial a couple times, once before LVO and once at LVO. And that that finial is was kind of obnoxious. And I'm glad they've adjusted a little bit to just get rid of wound caps and wound gates, things like that. So that's good. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it's nice to see broadsides back for what good that'll be. You know, I never thought they were that strong to begin with. So giving them core back so they can at least get some rerolls is, is good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was trying to look at I the think. old. I couldn't. I was trying to. No, I yeah. I think they're all really good changes. I was trying to pull up the old balance data sleep, but it looks like I don't. I didn't download it last time, so I could do a side by side. The only the only thing I think that so here's the so how does it all shake out? That's the most important thing, right? Right. Has it gone far enough to stop Iron Hands and um, Space Wolves being so prevalent in the meta? And I think the answer is no, unfortunately. Because mm-hmm. I think people will just take different secondaries um, when they take those factions. I think Desolation Marines are slightly still a problem. Stupid. They're st- they're a huge problem. Uh, the fact that they can have like essentially a couple of models in that unit, ignoring ballistic skill modifiers um, or getting pluses to hit, is I'd have loved to have seen just the war gear options gone for them. Just hey, here's like a unit. But it's all the little add-ons like sights and stuff, which allows like the sergeant to hit on a much better ballistic skill. So essentially get around all those negatives for shooting indirectly. And they've got some very powerful guns, especially because they're staying in dev dock. So obviously when they stay in dev dock is a, um, and they can just stand still because of the range, the dark angels were getting plus one to hit. Uh, the iron hands were getting re inbuilt rerolls. Um, you can do some janky stuff as well with uh, a space wolf unit as well. So. I don't know if it's gone quite far enough. I would have loved to have just seen 
doctrines to go back to what they were. I would have loved just to go, right, you have a turn of dev doc, you know, one to maybe two turns of, um, because I think the points drops alone to Marines have been so significant uh, and they've got good secondaries. I don't know. I just think it would have maybe balanced things out um, a little bit more because I think, I still think we're going to see a very high population of players playing Iron Hands which literally kills me um, because I thought we were over the eighth edition um, Iron Hands awfulness. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, yeah. the character Dreadnought, all the other stuff that, you know, they, they can essentially do um, with such a very point efficient army, um, the drop pods, the grav, the devastators, the horrendous alpha strike it can put out. And then also all of a sudden these desolation Marines now that if you're a toughness three army, you're in a huge amount of trouble because these guys have got good AP uh, from indirect as well. So, yeah. Has it gone far enough? No, I think the meta chasers will still keep on the iron hands. Um, I, th- I think that's what we're going to see a lot of iron hands going forward for the remaining of ninth edition, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, ninth edition is going to go out on a little bit of a broken low note with iron hands and like you said to a slightly less slight ever so slightly lesser degree space wolves um yeah you know at least dark angels are you know the the permanent transhuman on terminators is there for them is gone you know yeah i think um, raven wings a really yeah. cool option for you know especially now with the inclusion of the lion i think uh, raven wings gonna look in, in shape up pretty nicely uh, i know jack will be super happy happy about that because he didn't really run the terminators anyway um but i think Aside from Iron Hands, I think we're going to see a very good and tighter uh, variance, which is awesome. Like a great balance to the game. I think that's fantastic. Uh, I think it's probably the best it's ever been. And um, yeah, just that last little kink with the Iron Hands. Um, I'd have loved them just to put in the balance data slate, delete Iron Hands. That would have been awesome, wouldn't it? That'd be just a great little change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. delete them or delete Desolation. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen them uh, change um, Imperial Fists so that their super doctrine works regardless of the strength of the weapon. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're strength four or seven or whatever. Just give them the extra pip of damage just so, you know. But Imperial, Imperial Fists were just never seen never seen in ninth. They just never had an effect. They were so being punished for... Oh, can you imagine Desolation? It, oh, Yeah. To be sickening. Yeah, Desolation Marines. Yeah. Super Doctrine only works against buildings and vehicles. And since nothing, there is no building in the, not that I can think of anyway, nothing has a building keyword. It's just vehicles. So it would have made Imperial Fists, or Imperial Knights unhappy, but. Is there a keyword? Um, what's the strength that you have to be to get plus some damage? Seven. It has to be strength seven or higher, and it has to be aimed at a vehicle or building. So what I think a nice little cheeky change for them could have been um, on a six or more and it could affect monsters, buildings or vehicles. Mm-hmm. Maybe, even a, maybe even a strength five weapon and we might have seen some, you know, like heavy bolters come back in play, which is kind of cool for them. But I don't think it should start triggering on like flat damage to stalker bolt rifles or bolt guns. That doesn't quite make sense to be that level of damage, but... No, that's valid. I could see like a um you know like the heavy bolt or equivalents or better being um because let's be let's be yeah. honest in the space marine arsenal you've got heavy bolters is there any guns at strength six assault cannons are strength six okay so maybe assault cannons upwards could have been damage two maybe but hey it is what it is you get dev doc which is still pretty awesome ignoring cover yeah pretty awesome yeah yeah so uh all right all in all the last data slate where we will likely be the last day. We don't know for sure, but will likely be the last data slate for uh ninth edition. All in yeah. all, a lot of good changes, a lot of positivity. Um, and so, yeah. So if you've got an event coming up in the next, from now until whenever 10th drops, you got some good changes to work with. So, yeah. Uh, now let's go over and talk about some of these, these, uh, the new information that's dropped on Warcom. Yeah, sure. Cause I'm, I'm very excited about some of this stuff. The 10th edition, yeah? Yeah, for 10th edition. The the first one, there's there's three of the pages I want to go I wanted to sort of talk to you about. 
Um, okay. The first one was the um, the new anatomy of the new data data sheet. Um, obviously, we had talked a little bit briefly before with that first big um, reveal, and they showed the data sheet for the termagants. And there was the talk yep. about OC, which we all know now is objective control. And then they confirmed that that is that OC number is per model. Last time I yeah. think we talked, we they hadn't confirmed that, yet. so that's going to be per model. So, do you think that having that this is going to necessitate larger bricks of units, like ten man inter? Are we going to see ten man tactical or intercessor squads come back? Um, well, I'm not. I won't comment on that. Um, but what I will comment on is if we see, for example in Age of Sigma, in terms of how they do objective control, it's based on the number of models. Um, and then, for example, if you're a certain wounds characteristic in Age of Sigma, uh, you get like, you count as double. And if you're like a monster, count is like five. Um, so in that game, we certainly see larger squads. So if that's any indication of, like, for example, where the meta might shift to, then potentially, um, will we see bigger bricks of intercessors? I just don't know. Um, like, so I can't really answer that one. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know in terms of how that will impact OC, but I believe there was another change, right? Which is essentially, um, around leaders, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. There was a, there was one of the things that they released was the change on, um, characters, um, can now act as if they have, I think they have to have the leader keyword yep. and then, uh, then they can join certain squads and it's not every squad, which, which is cool too. You're not going to see like a primaris Lieutenant joining a necessarily, according to what's what they show here, you're not going to have a, a primaris Lieutenant jumping into a desolation Marine squad, um, because it says he can only be attached to assault intercessors, blade guard, hell blasters, regular intercessors. And then there's two that are redacted out. Okay. Um, so inquisition. if, um, so then did it say anything about what those leaders do for the unit? Uh, yeah, it says that, um, if, if the leader joins, um, the unit, then he gives certain buffs to the unit cool. that he joins because we're, we're doing away with auras. So we're talking about, they're talking about this tactical precision ability, which basically gives him um, auto wounds on six, gives the, or gives the squad auto wounds on six. Um, and obviously it also is going to have, that was the tactical precision rule. Um, it says yeah. when this model is leading unit, they get, and it says this model's unit is eligible to shoot and charge and turn in which it fell back. So in that case, I think that might be a slightly a stronger indication of larger squad sizes because then the leader is going to confer a larger benefit to more models, right? So if you've got a 10-man unit of intercessors versus five, um, you know, you're going to get essentially double the efficiency out of that leader-based role. So I think that in itself will potentially grow or be more of a direction in terms of squad sizes rather than MSU. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, that, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that particular benefit, but yeah, that makes sense that you would, it would if you're going to give the benefit to a unit, might as well give it to a bigger unit. So you get more models benefiting from it. So yeah, that makes total yeah. sense. Um, and then let's see, they also talked about, um, uh, there's going to be a, if you don't have the leader ability, some characters will have the lone operative ability. Yep. Uh, which means that they can't be targeted if an attacker's unless an attacker's within twelve inches, and they said that's going to go on people like the Vindicare Assassins and Commander Shadow Sun, cool. um, or yeah. Iron Father Pharos if he's working on while he's working on an on a repairing a vehicle. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then they also showed Again, some of the new vehicle. Oh, go ahead. I think we're getting a lag. So uh, I think it just gives us a little bit more uh, flavor then as well, having this like loan operator keyword. Um, and you know, it's great that if they have, if this, if that's what they mentioned, the Vindicare, cool, he's not going to join a unit. That's not what he does. So it's now we've got a unit or a, a particular, you know, miniature or model, whatever, uh, acting as it should in the game, in the law, which is awesome. It's nice and thematic. And they've, they've got this really cool rule to keep it kind of safe, uh, until your enemy kind of gets there, which is kind of cool as well. So I think, uh, I, I know, look, and if I see what this, oh my God. 
Dave, I, I nearly lost my, um, I ne- nearly lost my poo the other day with, um, you know, seeing people like, oh, it means Death Stars are coming back. No, Death Stars are not coming back. Okay. Games Workshop have certainly learned from the horrific nature of that in, was it like seventh edition or like back in the dark ages? Yeah. I think the Black Plague was happening back then. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I went, I went to one tournament of seventh, blacked out, came out the other side, and it was eighth edition. Literally, I, I did the last ever seventh edition tournament. Don't want to go back there. Um, and if I've got anything to do with it, it ain't happening. All right. So um, there we go. Last, la- last I'm saying on yeah. it. Death Stars. Yeah, they're not coming back. Okay. So no more like invisible bark stars in warp spidery jump stuff with whatever else you add with Dark Angel in... Ugh. Yeah, it's not happening, okay? Get out of your yeah. head. Chill, everyone. Yeah. No more, no more. You want a Death Star? Watch Star Wars. Otherwise, not happening. You yeah. have come to the wrong uh, sci-fi uh, uh, nerddom uh, for Death Stars. Um, the, now, I did think this was kind of cool. So we, they, you know, they showed the full Rhino data sheet and I thought it was interesting that rhinos are now have a weapon skill of four plus. So you now have tanks that are, and it's the web, the melee weapon is armored track. So essentially it's sort of a, a, a nod and a wink to older versions of 40 K when you would just try to run people over. So now the, you've got three attacks with the, uh, in melee with a rhino um, hitting on a four up instead of a six up. And it's AP nothing. Cause you know, getting run over doesn't necessarily penetrate your armor, but strength six, one damage. It's a decent little melee profile. It makes the rhino a little bit more deadly than just you know parking it melee and knowing that it's well, not going to go anywhere. So I think the great thing about this is that you either do away with that rule completely. They could have just gone, do you know what? If you're rolling three dice hoping to hit on a six, just you either get rid of it, but then you'll have this situation where a unit doesn't have a melee attack, which kind of feels weird because it could potentially do something so at least this way it might be worth rolling out those attacks it might be worth rolling out those three attacks at strength six now if i'm playing on a chess clock and i'm at a tournament i'm probably still not gonna bother to be honest in a tournament setting where i've yeah. got to get through the game in a certain amount of time um i'm still not rolling that out okay i just ain't gonna do anything unless you're like oh i've got one harlequin i'm in combat with and i could really do with just killing this one harlequin okay cool i'll do it but um that being said, I'm probably not bothering. Okay, if I'm in, if I'm in combat with like ten intercessors, nah, no, no chance, not doing it. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, and then uh, they showed, obviously, going back to OC a little bit. They showed that the rhinos got an OC of two. Then they showed a storm speeder has an OC of three. A gladiator valiant has an OC of three, and a repulsor has an OC of five. So we're seeing now that the o, the the objective control value of these tanks is going is going to vary. So the different vehicles are going to have different effects on holding objectives. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's so basically the bigger, the thing it looks like the repulsor is bigger than the Valiant. The Valiant is bigger than the speeder. And for some reason, I don't know why the speeder has a larger one than a Rhino, but anyway, um, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, it has more guns. It, yeah. Uh, maybe cause there's two, maybe cause there's three crew member in it. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe how many people drive a Rhino? Maybe. Two, maybe? One or two. Is there like two? Yeah, I mean, it looks like two windows on the front, so it could be two drivers. Maybe it's done on drivers or people in... Anyway, yeah. who knows? Um, I, I certainly wouldn't know the answers to those types of questions. So, um, yeah, anyway, bigger the thing, more OC it looks like off this article. And yeah. you will Which notice, cool. yeah, the toughness. What do we notice about the toughness? Yeah, yeah the toughness is also... We have, we're like... When I, I remember when I first started playing in second and, and, early, and end of second, we started third edition. It was a very fixed, nothing ever went above strength nine, really, and nothing ever went below uh, toughness three. And that was, you were very fixed. The idea of a strength 14 weapon or a T16 model, th- those concepts did not exist. It was a very fixed number range. And now we've got, you know, last, even in ninth edition, what everything was, T7, maybe T8, except for maybe a few larger knights or something um, with a buff. Um, Now you've got a Storm Speeder with a T9. The Gladiator Valiant is a T10. 
and the repulsor is a T12. Yeah. Big. So, yeah, resilience, vehicular resilience is going to be serious. And they showed in another, um, uh, there was another article on weapons that they showed that meltaguns are still strength eight. So they're not scaling meltaguns up to still be able to cook off a repulsor in two shots or whatever. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's going to be a slight, you know, what, what we're going to see there, assuming, now we need to make some assumptions at this point. Um, so I'll be quiet. I think it's probably best. I'm quiet now. Uh, but yeah. it, it, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think could happen, Dave? Uh, I think that they, you know, I, if I remember correctly, when they did the initial um, uh, tease for 10th, um, uh, you know, whatever, a month or two ago, um, when they were doing that, when they'd released that video, I seem to remember them saying that they were trying to lower the lethality of the game and increase the durability of everything. And it seems like for sure, vehicles will be much more resilient. You were there, you know, tanks were a rarity, except for certain, a couple of things like, you know, a couple of plague burst crawlers on the back line of, for a death guard army, yeah. you know, unless you were, or, you know, if you're playing obviously chaos Knights or Imperial Knights, most tanks never saw the field. I mean, space Marines have what, I think they have last time I counted, there's something like 63 different vehicles in their codex or something. You, you never saw any of them except a rhino, maybe yeah. a couple of the land speeders. If you were, you know, um, if you were playing Raven Guard. So yeah. now um, you've got a lot of, there's a lot of vehicles that will finally maybe see the table because they're, the chance of them surviving past turn two is significantly increased. So yeah, we might see more tanks in the game. Who knows? Um, which is which would be cool. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so far from what they've previewed, I think it looks awesome. I'm really excited for it. Um, I really, really am. And obviously, if you want help going from 9th to 10th, and we've kind of gone over some of the stuff, when it actually is out and released, that Accelerator course will go over all of these things in essentially, what I'm planning is, I think me and Michael were talking, there's going to be a fairly good amount of modules in this course. Think of it like a very short course version of the Academy designed for those people that are already competent in ninth edition to go right here's kind of what you need to know to get good pretty efficiently and quickly in that seamless transition between the two so um yeah to give you essentially the lowdown of what you need to know so that accelerator course is gonna be perfect for anybody that plays ninth edition currently to go over all of this stuff and also we're going to teach you our kind of tactics and strategies that um you know we would use on the tabletop to get the benefit of all these different uh, abilities that obviously Games Workshop have shown off so far, but yeah, I'm really excited for it, and um, yeah, I can't wait now. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Everything every time they release something new about Tenth um, on Warcom, it further encourages me that Tenth is going to be a very strong move in the right direction. That a lot of the things that were wrong with Ninth are going to be cured in Tenth, and maybe it isn't going to be cured in the way that somebody when they were brainstorming with their friends or when they were, you know, jumping into the wrong chat on Reddit, we're talking about, but you know, you're still going to see, you know, they're adding some new keywords like, you know, sustained hits, um, you know, for exploding sixes instead of something else, but they're going to be using some different terminology, but the, the game is still going to be the game. It's not like they've completely overhauled everything. Um, and you know, we're not going back to mission cards in second edition. And we're not going back to artillery dice. Um, though I guess that's in Forest Heresy, which is cool. Um, but it, you're still going to, I don't, this is going to be, 10th is not going to be a complete overhaul of the game. It's still going to be most of the fundamentals you're already familiar with, which is why if you are good with the game. You can sign up for the accelerator course and get, you know, get your, your, your top up on your information that way. Um, and, and you're still going to be able to know the game, still be able to play the game. And now, They've taken out some of the lethality. They've taken out some of the um, excessive confusion that was there before. You're not yeah. constantly going to have to go back to, to check in the core rules. I think it, it's still, I want to get this really clear. They've said it's simplified. It's certainly not simple. Say that for sure. It's simplified, um, which is cool, which is great. It's, I would say, a more streamlined version, which is awesome. 
because we don't want it to be like simple where it's just like, oh, you roll some dice and I roll some dice and we'll just see whoever just happened to roll better. Like that's no, that's in my mind, that's not cool because I like a challenge and I like a way to show strategy and tactics and skill. I don't want to just result, you know, have a result of a game based on simply dice rolls alone. I kind of want dice rolls to be meaningless. I really do. I don't really want dice rolls to matter that much in terms of affecting the outcome of the game. I want dice rolls to be to create cool, memorable, funny moments, absolutely. And I then that's kind of what we love about the beauty of the game. But we shouldn't necessarily have a complete beginner roll up and just roll hot and just outplay or beat somebody that is a veteran of the game who's uh, you know, takes a huge amount of time, dedication to study it, put the groundwork in, do the reps and everything else. Like that wouldn't be, I think, a very fun game for very long. I think it would be cool in, in the initial stage. Like, oh, anybody could win if you just roll good enough. Well, at that point, that's just a dice game, which, hey, just roll off and whoever rolls higher wins the game, right? Just put it down to one dice roll, make it quick. Um, but yeah, it's streamlined, which is great. I think it's given, they've said this before as well, they've took um, a real chance to look at all the data sheets and see what purpose it has. And I think that's the most important thing. So we're going to see, hopefully, fingers crossed, units with flavor, units with a purpose, units that have a role on the tabletop that you would expect them to play like in the law. And that's the most important stuff. And that's something to get really excited about. Um, and hopefully next week, Dave, you and I can talk about some strategies and I think this would be a really good topic, strategies to, to overcome maybe a hobby flunk you might be in, like this kind of uncertain time, what you should be doing. So I think next week, Dave, we talk about like what your, where your mindset should be at at this time as we move into um, you know, the new edition, because obviously we can't yeah. do anything like with that. So how do we make the most of ninth and then prepare for 10th? I think could be a really good podcast episode. And if, you, and if you're in our community, in the competitive 40K uh, community for the podcast, um, then let us know what you think of that topic idea. And it's something me and Dave can talk about next week. But yeah, I think it's been a good show tonight, Dave. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, with that, let's uh, turn it over to James for a, a, a final return, a triumphant return to the Battle Ready segment. The Competitive 40K podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting the Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in-store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, the Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in-store. The Competitive 40k Podcast is supported by Colourforge. I found Colourforge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base color, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. All right, James, welcome back to uh, the, the podcast, man. It's been a while. Yeah, thank you very much for having me back. I really appreciate it. Uh, so we had, obviously, there's a whole bunch of questions we need to go over. Uh, lots of people have been sending me messages, asking me questions. And one of the ones I wanted to start with was um, pin washing. Um, yeah. If you can just really quickly explain for some people who don't know what it is, what is it? Um, and then I just a little bit more of an advanced question. Is it is it really necessary to use like oil paints to do it or are we, is it okay to just use the regular like Citadel washes and stuff? No, that's, that's totally fine. Um, so pin shading or pin washing or uh, uh, line shading, whatever you want to call it, it's got various names. It essentially is running the shadow and the contrast color exactly where it needs to be placed uh, in the, uh, the recesses or shadows or, or, or really intricate little details that are on a miniature that are where shadow would be. So you take the tip of the brush, you load the brush, take a little bit of the excess off, and then you would run that down every single crease, line, uh, recessed area, around details. Um, it's about controlled application of contrast and shadow. And when I say contrast, I don't mean the paint, I just mean shadow or a dark, darker color. 
um, that is going to give you way more control and much neater results than just covering a whole entire miniature in shade or wash and then having to repaint the main color over the top of that again to brighten it back up. You should always go to the brightest point and then work the shadows in to suit. Okay. And uh, sort of adding on to that question, the thing you were saying as well, like you don't necessarily have to use oil paints. Um, I think there's, there's, there's a, a lot of explanations, obviously, on using oil paints all over the internet, and uh, they're very good. They come from more of historical miniatures background, and they've kind of come, become quite commonplace within sort of like wargaming miniatures. Uh, they're, they're, very, they're very good, um, but just generally speaking, you, when, if you gloss varnish the miniature and then use any acrylic paint that's diluted down or any shade paint that's diluted down, and of course you can obviously use oil paints as well, they're perfectly fine, um, but in all honesty, you can just use any paint to shadow a miniature or add the contrast and shadows to the recessed areas or details that you want to add that shadow to, um, as long as it's viscous, which means it's like it's it's fairly watery but holds a solid amount of pigmentation in the body of the paint. Okay. Um, and so um, obviously you're gonna do all your you're gonna do your base coating first, and then you said you're gonna start highlight and start bright and work down. So uh, once you're ready to, to start the pin washing, you said you're going to gloss varnish the whole thing. Yeah. That's just to decrease the surface tension, right? Yeah, correct. So then it just makes any any liquid or any viscous body of paint that you use to, to add shadow onto the model, it's going to run a lot quicker and run a lot easier. Uh, it's just going to give you way more control. And also it means that you, you can really be accurate and precise with where you're placing it, which is one of the real advantages and USBs of pin shading over just covering a whole model in wash. Um, plus you use a lot less wash because you're just being very meticulous and accurate with where you're placing it. Okay, cool. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks for being back on this episode and we will talk to you again next week. See you next week. All right. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for again, giving us your time and your attention as always. Uh, like Steve said, we're going to try to talk some, some hobby stuff. And if you are on the competitive 40 K uh, community Facebook page, please, I'm going to put up a link in there. So you guys can give us some ideas from some other topics you'd like us to talk about in this, um, in this uh, tension filled buildup. Uh, towards uh, towards 10th edition. So, uh, until then, this is Dave Colmel for Stephen Box saying, the world has gotten even stranger than you already know. Have a good week. See you, everyone. <laughs>